This is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Malka LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. joins us as usual for the business of cannabis. You can find out how Melka can help you at www.greengencompany.com. How are things, Malka? Good. Doing real well, Dean. It's beautiful here. That is awesome. We're heading into Thanksgiving. It looks like it's going to be a great weekend to spend time and uh, maybe enjoy some uh, cannabis outdoors as we are all thankful that uh, legalization uh, is happening here in Canada. And, and you know, it, it's interesting. We're talking in our lead topic today about uh, cannabis-derived uh, CBD possibly being an antidote uh, to covid and this is from a Forbes magazine. I just uh, spoke in a segment earlier with David Wiley and This Week in Cannabis News about THC helping colon cancer uh, in, in, in test studies with mice. So it just it's amazing to hear all these great stories about cannabis uh, possibly being a help and the research that's being done on it. But let's specifically talk about this story because this is obviously very timely for all of us right now. Yeah, you know, I um, love the fact that this research is being well, was led by a group in under the University of Lethbridge here in Alberta, um, but it looks like they're doing peer-reviewed studies around the world. So the reason why this caught my eye is Forbes is a pretty big, well-known international, you know, magazine, um, and you know, it brought it came to the attention that this was a headline in, in the Forbes uh, magazine. Um, and then I did a little bit of, you know, digging back in, in Forbes just to, you know, popped up like other related things. There was literally uh, no less than 10 different articles talking about the same topic uh, about cannabis uh, derived, like CBD derived from cannabis as opposed to derived from hemp. That's where the distinction is here is that um, hemp based CBD is an illegal product in the U.S. and kind of in everything, you know, it's a big, um, huge thing down there. But the reason why this is important is that it's not um, hemp-derived CBD, it's actually cannabis-derived CBD, which essentially is it's just a more um, in, intense, I don't know if that's the right word, but a stronger CBD component um, from the cannabis plant and the positive effects that it's seeing. Um, and the research is leading to the fact it's not conclusive yet. This, they're still doing trials around this and treating um, uh, people that are, are developing the sort of the more severe symptoms of COVID. Um, it, really what it is, is, is an anti-inflammatory tool. And that we've already heard, you know, lots of drug companies and uh, using steroids for cannabis treatments, including whatever Trump is on. Um, the anti-inflammatory um, response is effectively the sort of the hardest thing to get over um, when people are sick with with COVID really severely. And, and essentially what's happening is that CBD uh, already has the anti-inflammatory property that's sort of well-known, but not really hasn't been really well-researched. So this type of research is proving um, out that the anti-inflammatory properties of the CBD uh, um, molecules um, are able to treat a very, fairly severe inflammation response. Um, and then there's a bunch of different articles around that uh, that we saw in Forbes, um, which was pretty cool. 
That is awesome news because, you know, and I've often said, and, and we just, I talked about it in, in the, the news segment too, is that nobody I think has ever said cannabis is a cure-all because I think that's foolish, but there are so many components of the cannabis plant that can help in multiple different things, not, not necessarily curing. And there are some things we may find out it does. But it can certainly help in so many things. This is that's why it's not surprising when I hear these things. I'm elated and I'm happy, but I'm not surprised because there are so many properties of this plant that you know we don't even know about yet. Yeah, and I think what you know, the what I'm taking away from learning all of these things as well is that you know, cannabis is not necessarily really a, almost even a treatment for anything. What we're learning about is that it actually just strengthens the your own body's system. So we've learned about, we, people talk about ca- cannabis as a balancing um, aspect, the endocannabinoid system and as, a, as an overall um, system in your body that just balances different other systems, like whether it be respiratory or, or, or um, um, your hormone system, et cetera. So what we're learning is that the, the whole plant concept of cannabis is not so much a treatment of disease or ailment or you know problems it's essentially just it just bolsters your own body and that's why it has such different reactions to different people because it just depends on where your body's at Um, but i'm learning more about this holistic approach and the balancing effects and there's many different ways that this can be studied but it's not really a like a clinical drug with a clinical trial approach that's going to come out with the answers. So it's almost there needs to be a different way of looking at it um, to really understand how it works. And this example of COVID where nobody really knows how COVID is working, it's sort of been this new thing that's been different than other viruses. They're seeing that by helping the body strengthens its own um autoimmune system so that it can actually fight the disease on its own that's where it's being working and that's what's really interesting about this and will hopefully shed some light to the medical world the pharma world as maybe we should take a look at about this from a different perspective it's not a drug it's not going to cure disease but it's going to help the body in a different way than we've seen before Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the amount of research that we're going to be able to do, and who knows what this plant is going to be able to do down the road. So uh, it's amazing to to be able to enjoy the benefits right now, and uh, I can't wait for uh, future studies that are going to happen with this because I think it's going to open up a lot of people's eyes, and that's what we kind of try to do on Change Makers is uh, open people's eyes to uh, to different parts of the industry and and different companies that are doing something really cool. What can you tell us about BC Craft Farmers Co op? Yeah, so I've talked a lot about ecosystems being sort of a big way to help, I mean, learn, you know, largely, it's an education, um, you know, and, and I talk about the, the ecosystems that I've been a part of and other ones that have been not worked, you know, we've had several different discussions. So the BC Craft Farmers Co-op, I consider like an, its own ecosystem, in its essence is that it's like, you know, from British Columbia, which has its own brand of cannabis, you know, in the world, people really highly regard BC bud uh, from decades and generations but what they're doing is leveraging the power in numbers um, and and it's a collective so or sorry cooperative so it's a former cooperative organization which is a kind of a structure like it's a, it's a specific uh, structure of of operating a group or a company even um, that's leveraging the power of the multiple different farmers uh, BC craft farmers so some of these are people that are in this organization don't currently uh, sell or, or they're not currently making cannabis products but they want to. 
So this is almost like it's an ecosystem. It's a mentorship program. It's a, it's a sort of the, the power in numbers concept where most of the members, uh, and I've become a member because I really believe in what they're trying to do and, and have a, a vested interest in helping some of these smaller groups or farmers really move their knowledge into the space of the legal cannabis world. And, and they're working with some really strong uh, influencers in government and, and lobby um, people, people that have a background in legal, uh, the legal space to move their agenda to the top of the, of the eyeballs, so to speak, in government. And I think they're doing a great job just by getting the power of together, you know, and everyone on the same page. That's interesting. So instead of, uh, you know, and I think that's uh, really important, you know, here in Alberta, we have the Alberta Cannabis Council. And instead of like, you know, 50, 60 voices, uh, you know, uh, emailing or whatever, it's it's all, I guess, formulated into, you know, it's it's here's the here's the concerns we have. And this is the concerns of our members. I, I think it just makes more sense in trying to get things done as opposed to, exactly. you know, the, the provincial government getting 60 different emails about the same thing. Right. Exactly. And that exactly. So as a group, you know, they lobby their, you know, they find out what their their members concerns are, what they need to be successful. Um, and exactly is what you're saying. They're putting together specific policy groups and committees around specific things that can help with those various agenda items that collectively will have a major impact, but and it's essentially, you know, when the group comes up to whatever person or government or whatever it is, they have the ability to have the voice in numbers because everyone's a registered member. So it, it really, that power behind, you know, the collective um, and the cooperative model is the kind of thing that is going to move mountains. And I, I'm really, um, you know, I've been on some of these calls and, and hearing them talk and so many of them have such amazing personal stories, you know, like hearing, like, you know, hearing about really why they're still, you know, still in this or why they're still doing what they're doing. It's because they really have felt the pains of the worst parts of their, of the world and have really come back from that and have been able to survive and thrive. And their stories are really amazing. And that's a huge reason of why I want to be part of it. Cause I want to be able to share those stories through one of the other uh, programs I'm, or platforms I'm working on, which is the truth on cannabis. Uh, dot org. So that's, you know, my initiative is to help share these stories as really the reason behind people in the cannabis sector and why they're still pushing so hard. It's not a business, it's a lifestyle. And it's a story that's amazing. Uh, that's good. Uh, I, I, I like hearing these stories, because it also, um, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it allows and I think it allows people to look at it and say, OK, these, these people are organized. This industry is organized. They have their ducks in a row. They are doing things properly. It's not just, like I said, 60 different people emailing. So there's more information that can be found at www.bccraftfarmerscoop.com. And, and obviously there's no dash in the co-op in the uh, the website address. So it's bccraftfarmerscoop.com co-op.com uh, if people can uh, find out more information particularly in uh, in uh, bc and, and get involved with this i imagine they're they're probably looking for new members yeah and and their concept is to sort of be the be the one of the first big groups uh that are small people like individuals and micros but their concept is to roll out that across you know to be a leader in that so that other provinces and regions can follow suit so they're looking to make a model so it doesn't have you don't have to be from bc to join Oh, okay, good, good. That is uh, that's good to know. 
Okay, so let's move on to what it means to be green. And today we're talking about the Green Party uh, when it comes to government uh, who are making some progressive changes. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I wrote here, I love, I, I forgot what I, I forgot this, but now I remember here, the first time um, where the answer to the political question, is it going to be red or blue or even orange, maybe it's going to be green. So, I mean, we know the political landscape in Canada has actually undergone quite a bit of change, you know, in the last few elections, we have a liberal government and, and but what we've seen the, the biggest movers in terms of the most number amount of change, I'm going to say, has been in the Green Party. Um, and, you know, that used to be a really a fringe thing. I don't know if you're from from back in the day, you know, you and even not even that that long ago, Elizabeth May was the former leader and, and her form of um, you know, really political disrupt was, you know, literally get arrested on, on pipeline projects. And that was something that she was kind of, you know, well known for. She stepped back, stepped back from being the leader after, you know, 14 years or something crazy. And, um, and has allowed, there was a new, there was election for the federal Green Party uh, uh, leadership just this past week. And the new leader has broken a bunch of records, being the first black leader and the first Jewish leader of a, a political party, which I was even some dumbfounded with because I'm 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 also Jewish, but I didn't know that there's not very many Jewish black people. So that her story is very interesting, and I'm very interested to hear more about it. But um, basically, this has been making a ton of waves. Um, this particular woman, um, Enemy Paul, is her name, and she's she's going to try and uh, wait a seat. So she doesn't have a seat in government yet. So that's a major hurdle for her. But she had a huge showing in the voting members of the Green Party. So when I'm talking about progressive change, the number of people that joined the Green Party to make a vote in their election to have a new leader was like astronomically large compared to previous years. And they had a major showing. She had a major uh, um, lead in that election and winning that seat. So we, it's going to be tough. We're going to have to see what happens because she does have to claim a seat um, with the member uh, members of parliament, and she's in a liberal stronghold in Toronto. Um, but she has a lot of firsthand experience. She's a lawyer by trade, and has a lot of really great experience working with the people in that area uh, in downtown Toronto. So I think she's going to have, um, you know, it's big. It's big. It's a big uh, tall ask, but I think she has a, a, an excellent chance. And even still, she can still lead the party and not have a seat, which I didn't realize until recently. So the information around that was really interesting. And there's a lot of progressiveness to all of those things, which I'm excited about. Yeah, I, I think that the change is good. Um, not, you know, I don't, I don't expect the Green Party to, you know, stray from its roots, but maybe they, they bring in, you know, more awareness to what they're doing, and and you know, maybe people look at them and say, oh, they're not just about getting arrested on pipelines and and whatever else it might be. There is more to this party. So I, I think this is a, a step in the right direction, and you know, I. Personally, I, I think more and more people are, are, are caring about the environment more and more every day. So, you know, maybe not, uh, you know, here in Alberta, we probably have uh, some people that uh, don't believe in it more than maybe some other provinces. But there's still a lot of people in Alberta that do believe. Uh, so I think this is a good move. And, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens, uh, you know, when that deadline of October 26th comes around. Yeah. And, you know, and the whole thing, you know, the ethos of my company is, you know, we're, I'm talking about cannabis, but it is what it means to be green because 
cannabis is a catalyst to heal the world, both from environmental and from a personal standpoint. So I'm fully all in on the Green Party um, and and have seen that the uptake has been in people of our, um, you know, understanding that cannabis is a big player in, in the, what it means to be green from a, an environmental perspective. So the it speaks to a lot more people, I think, than it used to. And, and even in Alberta, I mean, there's a lot of oil and gas refugees that have moved into the cannabis sector to try and make a change. And I just seeing it getting bigger. So we'll wait to be seen, but very, very exciting news. Definitely in that front. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, progressive uh, news is exciting news for sure. Uh, Malka, thank you so much for joining me. As usual, people can find more information at greengencompany.com and they can find you on Twitter at uh, GreenGenCo1. Thanks so much for joining me. Have yourself a great week. Thanks, Dean. You as well.